2: I thought LeBron was sending a message last night. Now, look, the Clippers are down three of their top six. Okay? They're down three of their now, it does not work, right? Doesn't work out where, oh well, you know, the Clippers lost 30 points. So you had 30 points that their total. Like that's not the way it actually works. But a blind man can see that the Clippers are gonna have some more options. Right? And LeBron, he only hit 6 shots. The last one was a putback. He did have a dunk and had another layup. He struggled mightily with his jumper. And he did um he did look like a guy who part of it is the Clippers are built with Paul George and Kawhi Leonard and others and you know Marcus Morris even who didn't box him out in that last play. To have multiple defenders of his size and his length so they can defend him. Uh, first thing is here's a rule in basketball and I do think LeBron James if you look at the other angle of the last shot I think he fouled Paul George you know I think he fouled Paul George if if LeBron goes up for the same shot or Steph Curry goes up for the same shot probably a foul it's the left arm but whatever I mean it again doesn't matter it was a super competitive game I mean I guess it does matter but doesn't I, I thought it's a really good watch You know, it's been a good watch in the, whatever you call the preseason games. Right now, the Magic are taking on the Nets. This is one of those ones that, why is this game taking place? It very much seems like a summer league game. But they did a great job, and I'm not talking about just TNT, but also the NBA of cheering, booing, the different sounds. It felt like you're in a full arena. But I I thought if you look at how hard LeBron played, and granted, all these guys have that competitive greatness. They're playing hard at the end of a game. This one mattered something to LeBron. I I think he likes, I think he liked the, the 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 note from Henry Abbott that he's not being buddy buddy with everybody. That he's kind of strictly business. I, I think he likes that stuff. I truly truly do. That's his jam. And it's not that it didn't matter to Kawhi, but Kawhi's still finding his game. And Kawhi outplayed LeBron most of the game, although he couldn't shake him late in the game. I mean, Kawhi is the poster child for load management. But Kawhi clearly wanted to win and played late and played big minutes in that game. I thought Paul George looked great. And, uh, you know, Anthony Davis looked good. And and for most of the game, LeBron was probably the fourth best player on the floor. But there were some defensive stops there late in the game, which, you know, LeBron and, and Catavius Caldwell-Pope competed, really competed. It really mattered. You know, and I, I think it all goes in line with the, you know, as much as he is an advocate for social justice, he has his his own surname on the back of his jersey. As much as he loves to hang with the guys and he badly wants to be uh, liked and even beloved. By others in the NBA, the stories are that he is a recluse right now, simply worried about his body, his game, and his team. You know, it's one of the things that Richard Sherman doesn't like me because I think he said some things which are whack, and I pointed out. But as a football player, what I respect about, about Richard Sherman is he keeps the main thing the main thing, and he walks it like he talks it. And LeBron James, for the most part, does as well. You know, LeBron's thing is keep the main thing the main thing. And I thought last night showed his competitive edge, his toughness. And if you look, he took it upon himself late in the game. I'm going to guard Kawhi Leonard, which he hasn't always done. Right? Sometimes he's coasted defensively. Last night was not the night. Now, do you get rewarded and you end up, you know, yeah. But considering, yes, you had Patrick Beverly back, but you didn't have Lou Williams. You didn't have Montrez Harrell. I do think the Clippers and the Clippers have to learn how to win. How do we win those games? Like Kawhi's won them, but he hasn't won them with the Clippers. Paul George has never really won them. He had that one incredible game, his next to last playoff game with the Oklahoma City Thunder. Right. Wasn't that it? That game was against the Jazz and they're at home. They fought off. He was amazing but he's, he's missed a lot of game winners and missed a lot of big shots. And that's just another one of them. This was LeBron James talking about finishing the game on offense.
0: I love having the ball in my hands, you know, late in the game, tie
2: game, being down, uh, being up, you know, we had, a, we had a three-point game with, like, 40 seconds to go. We got a, um, you know, a great look for Denny. He missed it. Paul George came back and hit a, uh, hit a three to tie the game. And uh, for me, just try to, you know, be aggressive. You know, I feel like I got some contact at the elbow, you know, by, by Marcus Morris. Uh, they didn't call it, but, you know. Like you know, like you was told when you was a kid, you know, just to start playing basketball. If there's no whistle, you keep playing on. So I was able to follow my own shot and uh, you know, put us up put us up for good. Yeah. By the way, following your own shot is generally bad basketball unless you're like LeBron James or Dominique Wilkins and you're six foot seven, six foot eight, and you can you got, you know, forward thrusters. Normally you got to get back on defense. Um, I thought the product was really good. I didn't think either team looked great. I think the Lakers badly miss Avery Bradley and still need, you know, they're missing something. I didn't think LeBron was great, but he was great when he needed to be great. Competitive greatness. He was Frank Vogel talking about LeBron competing at the defensive end.
0: That possession right there, we didn't want to call a timeout and and give them the ability to sub. So, um, you know, he's been great in that situation, uh, targeting the defender that he wants to go at. Uh, got to the paint, got a good look, and uh, you know, like you said, just followed his shot. Great competitive spirit, play, and you know, his defense on the last possession obviously helped uh, secure the game. But all throughout, you know, he's been—he was—he uh, was terrific on the ball, and, and as always, uh, just a quarterback of our defense with his voice calling out coverages.
2: Yeah, that—that's what he's done most of the year is not what he did switching and and really defending. It's been quarterbacking and laying in the cut but saving that energy up for moments like that. This is where you say LeBron is a really really brilliant basketball player right But there are limitations and one of those limitations are he does struggle to break free to get his own shot against like-sized guys nowadays not the, you're not no one's gonna be the same at his age with that all that wear off the tires. but it was still impressive, a huge win and it continues the narrative of, this fairly new rivalry, battle for LA, will in fact decide who comes out of the West.
4: Be sure to catch the live edition of the Doug Gottlieb show weekdays at 3 pm. Eastern, noon Pacific, on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeart
0: Radio app.
5: Terms apply. Learn more
2: at with Amex. I understand you're handling a guy with kid gloves and you're playing the long game. But it's not like he's coming back from an injury. And keep in mind, he was healthy before they shut down the season March 11th. And then we could say, well, he didn't pay. We saw the pictures of his body. He appeared to be in excellent shape in terms of leaning out a little bit. Now, if you've ever seen him in person, he's just a block, right? He's six, five and a half, and he's wide as he is tall. He's just built. He's not built. He looks like a linebacker more than a basketball player. But I feel like the Pelicans are telling us all we need to know because there's a possibility there's two things at work here. Not every guy has great natural conditioning. In, In fact, some guys not only can't ever be in great shape, they also have what's called the fat gene. They used to call it with Darren Williams. Like Darren Williams didn't play basketball for a couple days. You're like, man, did he put on 10 pounds? And he was a tremendous player. But I do think you get to this point where you're like, man, Zion hadn't played in a week. And then he looks 10 pounds heavier. And by the way, when you go home and this is why, you know, unless it's, I, I hope it was no, nothing serious, but why are you leaving? It has to me, it has to be really, really serious with immediate family. You're a rookie. This is an opportunity. The whole league, by the way, uh, fought over whether or not your team should be included, mostly because they wanted you there. There is a certain responsibility. So I'm not going to question how big a deal it was or how how big a deal going uh, what what he went home for was. I can only tell you, though, that when you go home, just because you're spending time away from quarantine doesn't mean you can't go for a run. And go work out. And again, I know that does not get you in basketball shape. But the, the fear with him is he's got the fat gene. He doesn't work out for a week and suddenly, damn, he put back 15 pounds back on. Right? He, he he spent a few days away from the team and they wouldn't let him practice? And they only let him play 15 minutes? They're telling you this guy is fragile Fred. They're legitimately concerned that he's going to break down. You know, and every, I can reference all the different cars, you know, that you, you pick up car and driver or motor trend and you're like, man, they're beautiful cars, but I'm telling you, break down. And you know that going in. And so you're very cautious. I would like never buy a used Jaguar. Looks good. Sounds good. Feels good to drive. But, you know, it's the old on the shop more than, in the shop more than on the road. And those reputations are established over time. And when a team is so super cautious, like he's not hurt. There's nothing wrong with him. He just falls out of shape really, really quickly and probably was never in that great a shape. He's played five on five four times since March 11th. That's crazy.
4: Be sure to catch the live edition of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m.
3: Eastern, noon Pacific.
5: You'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.
2: Ben Goliver joins us. Uh, he joined us from inside the bubble in Orlando. Basketball games taking place, you know, essentially all day right now. Right now, it's kind of a JV game, Orlando versus versus Brooklyn. Um, last, night's, uh, last night's game, Ben, what, what was um, the, the, the marquee game, Lakers-Clippers? Um, what was it like in person?
6: Well, I mean, for a high-energy, you know, high-intensity type game like that to be played in an empty crowd, uh, you know, an empty gym with no real crowd was truly strange. I mean, an uh, amazing moment early. LeBron goes for the dunk, and he's, you know, uh, coming back down the court, he looks over at guys like Carmelo Anthony and Damian Lillard and gives them a look as those guys were sitting courtside. But, I mean, it was a, a fascinating ending with you know, LeBron hitting the game winner and then getting the defensive stop on the other end, and, and you don't really have the, the true Staples Center vibe or the, the Lakers fans going nuts to kind of celebrate that thing they're doing in an empty gym. It's certainly something that's going to take everybody who's there a while to get used to, uh, but it does seem like the players have already started to adapt and adjust and realize they have to bring their own energy to this thing.
2: What's your uh, let's 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 talk LeBron. Obviously, hit the game winning shot. You got the game game winning stop. stop. Uh, How do you think LeBron looked and played?
6: Well, I actually thought for most of the night, Kawhi Leonard was the superior player. I thought one of the biggest takeaways from that game was all the stars showed up. You saw Paul George play well at times. Anthony Davis has some really nice stretches. But LeBron's come out here with a real purpose for the entire last week, you know, in terms of on and off the court, you know, making statements about social justice, participating in the protest and leading that protest last night, and then also wanting to, you know, kind of put the Lakers on his back. He brought it home, uh, you know, last night in in kind of heroic fashion, storybook fashion. I'm sure the league office was great to see the uh, you know the the bubble kick off as it did. To me, one of the stories from that game though was a guy in Kawhi Leonard, who we really associate with having control in clutch moments, of being able to get a shot whenever he wants, of uh, being a reliable, you know, off the dribble type guy, uh, somebody who you want the ball in his hands in the big moments just not being able to do it at all. He wasn't able to get a clean look. He looked very indecisive on the last play, winds up passing out to Paul George in kind of a hospital pass type situation. I mean, where is Paul George going to go with that basketball when he gets it? Uh, So to me, it was an uncharacteristic night from uh, a guy in Kawhi Leonard who built a nice reputation for himself as a clutch player last season.
2: Yeah, I, I would also say that Kawhi and LeBron, they look thicker than I. Now, some of it could be a smaller arena and a closer and a different angle. But I also know that, you know, when you play basketball, 82 games, uh, you you trim up really, really quick. And those guys by the end of the season are super, super lean in person. Do they look thicker or is it simply a uh, TV adding and 15 pounds?
6: Well, in general, everybody looks bigger because we're closer. You know, the seats there are, are completely different than you would see at a typical NBA arena. So I think that's part of it. It also is a different visual look just because of the way they've got the lighting on these courts. It kind of feels like a television set. Everybody feels a little bit supersized in general. I'm with you, though. I do think that the guys are going to be able to work themselves into better shape as we go. One of my biggest takeaways was just the basketball was uh, more competitive, harder fought, and just kind of, you know, better chemistry in the first couple of games. And even during the scrimmages that I expected, and when you're talking about four months off from the sport for a lot of these players. So I'm sure they've got some work to do, especially a guy like Zion, too, where he's only playing 15 minutes. He clearly didn't, uh, you know, look 100% conditioned. uh, you know, in that first game, I think some of these guys are going to be looking different as we get a couple of weeks into this thing.
2: Yeah, speaking of Zion, and I know he'd been away from it for a while, and then he had quarantine or whatever, but is there some concern? You know how this works, covering this as long as you have. Some guys just, they they they, they can't get in great shape. They they, they can't. They're not 35, 40-minute-a-night guys. Is there any concern New Orleans that even at his peak physical condition, which he's not there yet, he's never going to be a high-minute guy?
6: Look, I'm confused. I don't really know what's been going on with Zion. I mean, they had four months off. It looked like he was in great shape before he got down here. He leaves the bubble basically for two weeks, um, and at that point when he comes back, they don't put him through full contact practice as part of the ramp-up to get him on the court. They call him a game-time decision. They don't want to put him into that game until like an hour before it started, and then he only plays 15 minutes and then sits out down the stretch. I mean, all of that is very, very weird for a franchise-level number-one player uh, who's 20 years old, I mean, it just is, you know, kind of boggles the mind. He's their most impactful guy, too. I mean, he he swings games from uh, losses to wins when he's out there and playing well. We saw it for two months once he came back healthy. So the entire situation is very strange. Their messaging on it has been strange. You know, he said that, you know, he felt like he was ready to play more, and he was almost grateful that they put him out there. So clearly there's some sort of... Uh, you know, uh, under the table kind of conversations going on about is he, you know, cleared to play by the medical guys or not. I mean, kind of a back and forth there that they're going through. I don't get it. And I, I'm stunned that that's where they're at after having four months to kind of get things right.
2: Yeah. I I don't either. I, I really don't, I don't understand. Um, and if he can stay in shape when they're in quarantine, how, why did he fall out of shape so badly during his week at home with whoever was sick or whatever you had to go tend to that doesn't, that doesn't make sense. Um, Clippers wise, what what was their reaction to the game? Obviously, Paul George played well. You said Kawhi was the better player. I would agree with you. Um, it's different when you don't have Lou Williams to come off the bench. You don't have Montrez Harrell. Uh, what what was your sense of how the Clippers felt about how they played?
6: No, I mean I think you took the words out of my uh, mouth. I mean, really, they're looking at this as they're trying to ramp up. They want to play deep into the Western Conference Finals and Finals, right? I think that Kawhi Leonard took it very easy in the scrimmages this past week. Um, you know, he looked like he was able to turn it up earlier in that game, before maybe faltering late. But I think that they're looking at this game. It was a you know a real dogfight all night, um, and they don't have two or three of their most important guys. That, you know, potentially close that game for one reason or another, and they expect to get those guys back. So I think if you're the Clippers, you're coming away thinking, look, we're not going to have to play Joakim Noah and Reggie Jackson as much as we played them against the Lakers if we're you know fighting them uh, you know tooth and nail this close with some of these guys who are deep reserves playing big minutes, we're going to be in good shape once everybody gets back and, and on the court.
2: Uh, Bucks are a team that everybody seems to say look a little bit better than most anybody else. Who's the other team in the East that's the, 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 the chatters about in Orlando?
6: It seems to me like Boston gets all the hype, but the team that I like is Toronto. You know, I think that this, the rest and the time off actually plays to their strength. You know, a guy like Marc Gasol got into excellent shape. Um, He's definitely lost a lot of weight. They have a bunch of veteran guys who are going to be refreshed for this final push. They also have great chemistry, um, great cohesion. They talk a lot. They seem to joke a lot during their games. And they are also deep. And I think that matters, too, whether it's injury issues or the threat of the virus. You want to be able to go deep into your bench. I think the coach is a nice uh, plus for them as well. I mean, Nick Nurse is not going to be thrown off by these weird empty gyms. He's coached in the minor leagues. He's coached overseas. I mean, he's kind of seen it all. To me, they're a little bit of a sleeping giant. Like, I think if anyone's going to push Milwaukee and and maybe knock them off that course to the finals, to me, I think it's Toronto. And by the way, I don't think the Eastern Conference is particularly deep. You know, a lot of people are trying to hype up Philly or or Miami or some of these other teams that are kind of in that middle of the pack range. You know, I think that Milwaukee proved it over the course of the regular season. They're, you know, far and away the best team over there. And I don't see a lot of other teams that have a ceiling to keep up with them when they've really got it rolling and their chemistry has been excellent since they've been back. Giannis looks very, very focused. They were racking up big victories in some of their scrimmage plays. They've got a great system, which I think really helps them both offensively and defensively. They can just kind of retreat to their fundamentals. Um, even after all this time off, they're very well drilled under Coach Mike Budenholzer. So to me, they're shaping up as the, as the easy favorite in the East. Now, the only tricky part is they're probably not going to get pushed until after Labor Day because you look at how the playoffs sets up. I mean, it's going to be you know, Brooklyn or Washington in the first round matchup, I mean, they're going to get absolutely killed by Milwaukee and these regular season games don't really matter for Milwaukee either. So they're going to have to fight boredom. I think that's maybe their biggest threat here over the next month or so.
2: Who's the team the Lakers don't want to match up with, with that eight seed?
6: No, it's funny because we can talk ourselves into all these amazing matchups. Like is Damian Lillard like the tough matchup for the Lakers backcourt? Or, you know, are the Pelicans, if they get Dion back, you know, is it, so much attention on that series that they wouldn't necessarily want to deal with that. Or you can even say Memphis, they play so fast up and down. I mean, you can talk yourself into these arguments. I mean, to me, I don't think the the Lakers really have to worry about any of those teams. I mean, that LeBron kind of had an off night last night, still almost had the triple double. And it was still the last guy standing when it mattered against some really, really talented wings in Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. I think they're going to take care of any of the teams that, uh, that come into that eight seed, you know, personally, uh, I think that uh, New Orleans is a question mark right now. I probably would have picked them coming into uh, the bubble, but at this point with the questions around Zion, with their struggles to kind of close games, even though they have a very easy schedule here going forward, you know, I'm not as hot on them as I was uh, even maybe 24 hours ago.
2: What's the uh, reaction? Ben Golliver joining us. Uh, he, of course, writes for Sports Illustrated, the NBA insider. He joins us live from the bubble. I know that... Uh, um, that Tom Thibodeau was hired outside the bubble. And he, of course, said, you know, New York's synonymous with winning. And it's his dream job. It's a lot of people's dream job. Uh, what's the reaction from inside the bubble over Tibbs getting the next job?
6: Well, I'd say two things. First of all, not a lot of surprise just because of the ties there with their new front office group and their need to just kind of turn things around and get a little bit of uh, respectability going. That's sort of his MO, right? That's where he brought to Minnesota he got them into the playoffs, of course, before things fell apart. But I think the section, uh, second reaction is just, if you're not in the bubble, you almost don't matter, right? It's like the eight teams that aren't here are really irrelevant. They're off the map. They don't get talked about. Um, and I do think that uh, you know, there was some discussion, especially teams like Golden State, of saying, hey, we don't want to go down there. You know, we'd rather just kind of have our season end. There's no point to it, which I totally understand. But you know, as these teams are ramping up, playing these regular season games, and then getting into the playoffs, I think it winds up being a competitive advantage for teams that actually do come down here and take it oh, seriously. yeah. For, for the younger you
2: players especially? Yeah.
6: A, a thousand percent for your, for your team uh, uh, chemistry, culture, and just getting guys to buy in, and then also your developmental time yep. in terms of you know, seeing guys, are they going to be uh, keepers or not keepers and making those kinds of decisions. If you have to go nine months without touching your players you know, in a practice setting or a, a game setting like some of these other teams might have to do, I mean, to me, that's a real step back. It, it just makes uh, Tom Thibodeau's job even more difficult.
2: Yeah, and I'll tell you what else it does. And this is maybe a little bit too inside the Beltway, but you know, like if you're one of the assistant coaches trying to get a head coaching job, if you're inside the bubble, you got no shot of an outside the bubble gig, right? And if you're outside the bubble, you got no shot at any of the jobs inside the bubble. Now, inside the bubble, <laughs> there may be more coaching movement, but but you know how that works, right? Like you, <clears throat> all these these interviews will take place in person only, and I think that's it's it's kind of it's fascinating NBA. You know the, the movement of NBA coaches will probably be in bubble stays in bubble and out of bubble stays out of bubble.
6: Well, for sure, and everybody <laughs> wants to do the speculation about who builds the next super team. Is it going to be guys who are here in the bubble together, kind of hanging out? You know, they fish. You know, they fish here in 2020 and now in 2022 they're all teaming up. I mean, you could see things like that developing. Um, yeah, I think that uh, the NBA was worried about the tiered thing that we're talking about. You know, the haves and the have-nots. Even when it came to the awards voting, right? Like they wanted to cancel or they wanted to end the awards voting period basically back in March um, so that the voters would only vote on the games that took place before the shutdown so that you didn't get into a situation where guys could kind of pad their stats or enhance their arguments uh, by being here in the bubble and kind of setting your, your group up into two different uh, smaller groups. I understand it. I mean, these fairness questions are really interesting. We didn't know how they would play out. And ultimately like some of them probably didn't feel as important when you're planning the bubble, because at that time, two months ago, you don't know, is it going to stay stable? Are they going to be able to get all these guys to stay healthy? Are they going to be able to play all these games like they want to? Now that we're here, you're starting to really think through all of these uh, maybe unintended consequences, and the NBA is going to have to pick up those pieces.
2: Ben, great stuff, man. Uh, really appreciate you joining us. You're doing a great job. You're a good follow, an excellent writer, and reporter, and insider. We can't thank you enough for joining us from the bubble.
1: And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex
5: dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.
2: John Middlecoff joins us 10. on the Doug Gottlieb show on Fox Sports Radio. Three and out is the, the, the podcast. He talks football, but he also has, guy, he has another podcast, with Guy Haberman, who uh, has caught some heat because he doesn't like the Padres uh, uniforms. Um was it was it me or did, did Kawhi and LeBron look a little thick last night?
4: Uh yeah, I mean I, I just thought Kawhi was kind of going through the motions for the most part. I, I think LeBron he I thought he looked fine. I mean, I I but I also might I tempered my expectations of you know what they weren't going to be flying around. It wasn't going to be a 125 to 120 game. I I think given the circumstances, I thought they both looked fine.
2: Yeah. Uh, it's a big game right now actually taking place, Portland and Memphis, because Memphis feels like they got done wrong with their schedule and everybody getting a chance to the playoffs. Uh, they have hopped. They're up uh, 2119. Um, I like do day basketball as, as much as we've missed the NBA to get basketball all day, seemingly every day for the next couple of weeks. That's pretty fun.
4: Well, to me, it's got a little bit, and this is your baby, the NCAA tournament feel, right? I mean, it just starts kicking off. You flip on the TV at, like, 10 o'clock in the morning in West Coast. You just got basketball going on. And the difference here, I mean, you always know the guys, but when I'm watching some of those, like, 13 seeds, I don't know a lot of the players. I'm watching Dame and CJ and, and John Morant. It's pretty sweet.
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think, yeah, you're starting to see there's some player development. There's, there's, like, a mix of <clears throat> spring football. Uh, G League, Summer League, and NBA all and, – and AAU all mixed together, right? Because guys are going to other guys' games. You know? By the way, Damian Lillard hurt, but he's going to get up. He'll be, I mean, be fine. He'll be fine.
4: Can I give you a quick Laker take? Yeah. Just watching last night. Yeah. Their team is not very good. Now, LeBron is the best player in the world, probably, and Anthony Davis, elite talent. A little soft, but whatever. The, There are are other guys like you're telling me they're beating the Clippers in a seven-game series once everyone's back and Kawhi and those guys are actually trying and they're coaching.
2: Mm, I don't think so. I don't think so. It
4: would be an incredible accomplishment for LeBron LeBron. given the team he's got. I'll give him that. I mean, like, 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 look,
2: yes, but like, look, there's there's some similarities with this Laker team to his first Heat team in that his first Heat team they didn't have Ray Allen, if you will remember, Um, and his first Heat team they didn't have a point guard. They, they started Mike Bibby the first five games against the Mavericks, and he was so bad he didn't play a minute in game six in the final game. They didn't play him at all. And but they did
4: have three legit stars, him and they, they
2: They did, which whereas this team only has two, although Kuzma. I, I think, look, they don't have a point guard. They, they don't have a starting caliber point guard on the roster, even before they had, you know, uh, I I, thought, I think Avery Bradley screwed him. I mean, I, I'm, you know, like. Yeah. I, I, I can
4: imagine LeBron's not happy,
2: right? Pissed. Yeah. Pissed. <laughs> How could he be? Dude, like y- you okay. could win a championship and this, this idea and I do actually want to ask John Middlecoff, our guest, this kind of reminds me of my, my take on the NFL guys, which I understand you have the ability to opt out if you want to do it. You know, you take your, you take your money and maybe you go till next year or maybe you shut it down, whatever. And some of these guys, you know, Dante Hightower's turned down $8 million to take what, like 350 on on a on a, on a buyout so he can opt out, but you're safer going to work in any form of bubble where you're being tested and you're being some sort of, as opposed to like you mean to tell me that all these guys, he has NFL players that are opting out. They're not going out. They're self quarantining the whole year. Of course they are. And when, if you're going to go out, well, you're open yourself up to everybody else in the world and you don't have a doctor checking you every day for, for, for COVID.
4: Honestly, I hadn't thought about that until I saw you tweeted that this week. It made some sense. I was like, "Well, yeah, these guys. Unless you legitimately just lock yourself into a house until this vaccine comes out, you are." I heard Bill O'Brien today. I was watching some of his press conference. He's like, "I've been tested twenty times, and I, you know, for, we've been back a week." You know, he's like, "This is probably the cleanest building in Houston. He's yes. like, you could eat off the floor. Yes, and you, better believe New England is going to be like that too." I, you're right. When I thought Dante Hightower and I looked at his contract, I wonder in three or four years if you know because doing all these teams are going to go through every single possibility they can to keep these guys as safe as possible and you've been saying the same thing about college football that some of these media members acting like these college football coaches would put these players in a harmful situation is are, it's just asinine like if you guys talk to these coaches like i they're not they actually do care about these kids yes you know i mean and especially the nfl where these guys have a working relationship like you, you don't you know, Bill, eight million dollars. He he could look back in you know ten years and go, I can't believe I gave up eight million dollars because that's kind of crazy.
2: Yeah, it, it reminds me of um, what's man's name that played at, oh, I'm, it? Why am I thinking? Played at Xavier, and he was a star for the for first the Hornets and then the uh, Pacers. David.
4: He played for the Warriors. David, David West, West,
2: right? Remember, he had he had ten million or eleven million on the table. He turned it down to go to San Antonio. Played for like a million, and they lost. And they're like you, dope. What are you? Doing, you know, he,
4: he got lucky that the Warriors threw him a bone late, and he finally, yeah, he won a ring, championship.
2: Right? But he, he's never getting back to $10 dollars.
4: $10 no, he still could have ended up on the Warriors and made the ten mil.
2: Yeah, yeah, I, uh, I think sometimes
4: these guys, because you're making it, kind of becomes funny money. Did us on the outside. Even if you make good living, people go, "What are you doing, man? This this is going to end." Yeah, <laughs> you know? and, it, and, it's and, and yes,
2: sooner rather than later.
4: Like I like Cannon, the, the right tackle. I get, he's battled leukemia. Like to me, that yes. is more understandable. Yes, the, the doctor, the guard for the Chiefs, who is a doctor and is going to like stay doing it. Like okay, I get it. To me, the Hightower one, like that is a lot of money on a team that listen. I I don't think the Patriots are going to be as bad. People act like they're going to win three games. Like I, I just wouldn't count out. Doug, who would you bet on in the weirdest season ever, with just no practice time yeah. and just to figure things Belichick. out? Bill Belichick, oh, oh.
2: or Adam Gase? Come on.
4: <laughs> yeah, it, well, look at their division. Like the best team, which I do think the Bills are going to be pretty good. Yep. They still have Josh Allen still so their quarterback. Right. You know, I mean, they still got some question marks.
2: Speaking of quarterbacks, um, it's interesting. Lamar Jackson, the players voted him uh, the the top player in the league, which is. Like not only would I put Russell Wilson ahead of him, Pat Mahomes clearly in my my ahead of him, and we've seen him on the same field, and we've seen Pat Mahomes come back in every playoff game this year. I put Aaron Rodgers, but like I almost feel like it's defaming to Deshaun Watson. Like did I? Lamar Jackson had a great year. He's I would not. I don't. I don't know an NFL guy. Maybe I'm wrong. You know the NFL guys. You were an NFL guy. Do you think they t- for a, for one game or for one season would you rather have Deshaun Watson or Lamar Jackson?
4: Uh. I would rather have Deshaun Watson. We just saw him in a playoff game, down, carry a team with his arm against one of the better defense in the league. And to me, the Sando piece with the quarterback tiers, where they put him way lower, because in the NFL at quarterback, you're judged off throwing. And I heard Mike Sando say this, and I do agree. Lamar Jackson is a tier one football player right now. But his job come the playoff time is not just to be like his running el- uh, kind of ability and element gets taken away a little bit. And you got to win throwing the ball. And that's the one thing Deshaun Watson, let's face it, has been doing since he beat Nick Saban. You know, I mean, Deshaun Watson's better, a much better pro than I thought he would be, but he's a legit star because he throws. Deshaun doesn't really run. you know. He's really more Russell Wilson, right? He scrambles around to throw. Where Lamar, if you take away his running, I, he has improved as a pastor. Yes. And listen, he actually kinda of poo some of this stuff. Like I I don't I respect he's not like eating all this up. He's actually pretty humble for the the hype that I think the league and the media gives him. But I mean, come on, over Patrick Mahomes. And I, I had originally thought that the voting happened like during the regular season. I was like, Well, I could kind of get it. The teams fifteen one they actually have to mail them their like it comes in like April. So it's like if you if you watch the postseason where the dude was down twenty four nothing, ten nothing Ten points in the fourth quarter and wins a Super Bowl after he just won the MVP. It's like, come on, guys. It's like it's it's not even a competition. The number one, it, it should just be like, who's fighting for number two, right? Like, it, and honestly, I, I watched the clip on Twitter of Patrick Mahomes as you know when he came in fourth, and I think it was Mike Daniels, the former D tackle for the, the the Packers, was like, they asked him, "Who do you think should be number one?" He like, "Are you serious? Like, is this a question?" <laughs> Yeah, you know, it's like that guy. And even Zeke, Stefan Gilmore, who's the best corner in the league, was like, yeah, I mean, Patrick Mahomes best player in the league, like are are we serious? Yeah. I mean, what are we
1: talking
2: about? I, I don't so I don't, I don't know I don't know what how how it worked out otherwise. But whatever, it's just it's just a, a top 100 thing. Let's not act like it's uh, it's it's written in in stone. John Middlecoff. But it's, our, but
4: it's also why we don't take like sometimes the players thoughts on this stuff as serious as we do with the coaches and the GMs because they're just they're not always the best scout slash like they're too emotionally involved i think sometimes to i think to some make... of that
2: i think some of that is the pushback over this narrative that people want to move to wide receiver which is a bit of a false narrative right um but uh i i think it's you, that like it's, it's like a like you'll get people like oh man he he was drafted so low like he was taken in the first round and by the way the ravens passed on him their first time around you know so like all these teams missed like yeah okay he was a first round pick like Cousins went in the fourth round. Dak went in the fourth round. Brady went in the sixth round. Romo was not drafted. Like, let's not kill, our, kill ourselves. He was still a well, first I, round. I, sometimes,
4: draft. I, sometimes I get offended. Offended might be the wrong word, but just like a pet peeve of mine, it was a guy. This guy, this guy tumbled in the draft. Like Michael Thomas tumbled in the draft. He went in the second round. You know, it's like the second round is still pretty good. There are a lot of guys at other positions that push you down. You go in the second round of the NFL draft. This isn't the NBA. You're viewed as clearly one of the best players in the world, right? Like it's not, it's one thing to be an undrafted free agent or even Tom Brady. Like you go on the second day of the NFL draft, the NFL is telling you they think you're a baller.
2: John Middlecoff, our guest on the Doug Gottlieb show. Okay. Antonio Brown. If you're a team, you gotta be a playoff team. You're going to sign him, right? You won't have him for it. And he's, he's a knucklehead. Right? He's, he's one tweet away from being out of the league. I, you know, people will say Baltimore. I think that'd be a disaster. Because of the, not just what you're talking about with Lamar as a thrower, but just the volume of opportunities he gets. You know guys like that. They want the ball all the time. He's 130, 140 a 130, 140-a-year target-a-year guy. So in, in a pro-rated season, that's 70 targets. He ain't getting 70 targets with with the Ravens. On the other hand, with the Seahawks, he could very well get 75 or 80 targets in half a season.
4: Yeah, my take on this is pretty simple. I knew people with the Raiders, they were around him on a daily basis, and it was crazy. I'm out, Doug, and I, and I think Antonio Brown, non quarterbacks, probably like a top five player in the last like 20 years. Like he's incredible, but that just I, I can't do it. I, I would not mess with him, especially in a Corona year. I I can't I I can't do it. And he's it's not because of his talent. I mean, he was, now
2: they've had some was, they've had some nuts up in Seattle now. Uh,
4: I, this guy is a different breed. Yes, though. I got I mean, it. He's I, also I just, wide
2: receiver, which you know it's. You got Pete Carroll; he's a wide receiver. You got Russell. I don't I, know. I
4: I I just I would struggle to do it, and I get it. He, he, he's like a little kid. He got in trouble, and was he done? He's palled around with Russell and Tom and Lamar. Like he's he's on his best behavior. We've seen this before, yep. and then he flips a switch, and then all of a sudden, and, and, and this year, if you gave me non-corona, I'd be like, yeah, listen, I'm sometimes you got to just be Al Davis, right, and just take some shots. And if you're not paying him any money, you can get rid of them. But this year I, I can't have that headache when everything else we're dealing with. i, I got to think about every day. You know, you are hearing a lot of these coaches talk about it. It's just the, it's the effort they're going to have to have on their younger players, you know, with help of their veteran guys, to just be, you can't screw around. This season, like, they could ruin it, right? We see what the Marlins, like, they went out. And the young players, I don't even blame them because they go, well, I can't even get sick. I'm bored, I, I don't, I'm not single, like what am I going to do? But you're going to need those guys to be focused, and then you're going to spend all your effort doing that and like, teaching those guys on top of trying to get ready and then dealing with Antonio. I just, I don't know, man. I, D, I think DK is a baller. Uh, they still got Tyler Lockett. they got the tight end. they got Hurts coming back. Uh, I, I actually think their offense should be just pretty good on paper without him. Yeah, uh, I, I think VK could make a pretty big step and be like an eighty catch guy this season.
2: How much does Jamal Adams help their defense?
4: Uh, a lot, just because I mean Pete Carroll's baby is DBs. Uh, they, they thrived with you know versatile, physical safeties when they were kind of at the top of the mountain, right? With kind of, and he's a he's not Earl coverage wise, but he's a combination of the two of them. I think Cam was like a true box safety. This guy's more fluid in space, but he's not a you wouldn't call him like a lockdown cover guy, but he's functional, but his ability to just play like a, like a hybrid linebacker. And let's face it. Like, like you said, they do, they do are used to crazy guys, but to me, they're used to like crazy guys. that are kind of under control, right? like, like Richard sure. or yeah. Cam, yeah. like guys that are focused. And I, I think that is Jamal. And that's why I think for them, they're like, yeah, you could say we paid, you know, a buck 25 on the dollar, but we need that. He's our type guy. And, we got Russell Wilson, the peak of his powers, let's say, for the next two or three years. What, what are we doing? We, we don't hit on many first-round picks anyway. We make the playoffs every year, and we're drafting in the mid-20s. We don't even like those picks. It, it, to me, people overreact to like trading first-rounders when your team's a playoff team all right.
2: the time. Because those picks, unless you use uh, those On the other hand for, for the Jets, it, it is refreshing to see them run by a no, professional.
4: I, I completely get like they, they can't turn down that offer. I mean, they have to do it. But it, I, I think sometimes we act like Seattle just gave up the farm, Right. you know. I mean, we look at where they're drafting every year. It, now, if Russell ever got hurt and that pick becomes a top ten pick, then Joe Douglas didn't just make a great trade; he made a historic, you know, franchise changer, probably right.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, now,
4: and, and you can always trade. The other thing you can do is like look at the Bills this year. They traded what, like pick twenty two for digs? so you can use that capital to then trade for a player.
2: Yeah, or or you have two first round picks. You can you know use it to yeah. get to, to move up. Well, the Jets sure. might, might not have to move up. Uh, the Joey Bosa contract, too much?
4: Uh, I thought the Miles Garrett contract was too much. Like, he got $100 million, and I- I've heard Daniel Jeremiah say this. He might have said it on your show one day when I was driving around, that he's like the most talented player in the league, or, you know, at his position.
2: But he doesn't but play me, like
4: it. He, he was not like, when Khalil and Aaron Donald got paid, they had pelts on the wall. Like defensive player of the year, unstoppable. And I think Joey's closer to that. I had no problem giving Joey Bosa more than Khalil Mack. But I, why did the Browns give him, like, they kind of skewed the market. Miles Garrett was not worthy of making more than Khalil Mack. Especially after he gets suspended and everything that happened. Like, and I think he's a fantastic player, but he got historic money. Now, to me, Joey, I, I like Joey a lot. Um, you know, He's it's, not his brother. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a lot of money, man. He's, he's more of i always thought he was kind of more of a power guy than, like, the one thing his brother has a little more fluid around the edge. probably closer to, like, I wouldn't say Vaughn Miller, but he's more a little like that bendy than than Joey's just powerful. And sometimes with power guys, when it's on, it looks like they're just wrecking the entire game, like Joey looks or Khalil looks. But when it's off, you're like, where is this guy? Mm You know, what's he doing? Because you can't just, even bad tackles, you can't run over 320-pounders every single play.
2: Middlecoff, great stuff, dude. Uh, keep hairman in line. Have a good week. Playing golf this weekend. What's what's the weekend plans?
4: Yeah, just probably hanging out. Maybe a little nine holes tomorrow. You know, Sunday chilling. Not, nothing. You know, just Corona
2: life. You know, nothing much. You kind of, you don't you legit don't get out at all, huh?
4: Well, I mean, I know I go I, I go out. I mean, dinners or whatever. But yeah. I mean, there's nothing. There's not that much to do. Yeah. You know, I, I can I, I'm kind of limited. We don't have the beach where I live. I, I play a lot of week golf. I, I do a lot of damage during the week right now.
2: There you go. That's good. Saves you some money too. All right, yeah, uh, good, good catching up. The three and outs, the podcast. John Middlekoff, great dude. Thanks so much, Middlekoff.
0: Later, man. At Bed Three Six Five, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play—from the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field.